Welcome to Fit Body Happy Joints. My name is Shannon. Today we are talking about how to use and how not to use fitness wearables. If you've been following this podcast, you know that I'm not a big fan of fitness watches and I've done podcasts in the past about that. Um, and I'll explain some of the reasons why I'm not a huge fan of fitness watches in this podcast. But at the same time, there are some newer wearables that are showing promise and don't have some of the problematic features. And so I wanted to talk about those and kind of give my updated opinion on some of the newer wearables. And then if you have a wearable, I want to help you use that wearable in the most effective way possible. So about three years ago, when I started this, um, whole exploration of trying to take better care of myself and try not to wear my body into the ground in my fitness routine. One of the first things I did was I got rid of my fitness watch because as I was being more gentle with my body and I was feeling better and I was seeing better results, I was noticing that, gosh, I'm not burning that many calories. And in the past, I was so obsessed with my fitness watch. If I didn't track my workout, it didn't count. If I didn't burn enough calories, it didn't count. I would literally drive back home to get my fitness watch if I forgot it on the way to my workout. And what I found is that, again, even if I did have a really good workout, like my muscles were fatigued and I felt worked in all the right ways, if I didn't burn enough calories, I would feel the need to go do more. I would even like do jumping jacks in my apartment at the end of the day if I didn't burn enough throughout my day or or in my workout. So Here's why this is a terrible way to spend your energy and your focus, but it's so, so common. Burning calories in your workouts means almost nothing as far as the results you will see from your routine. I know that's like, people aren't going to believe me, but it's true. And I'm going to explain this. You can burn 500 calories in every single workout and yet not see much physical change in your body. Because when we're talking about physical change, how you load and strain muscles is the most important thing. Cardiovascular strain and cardiovascular health is absolutely important, but that's not going to be the driver of physical change near as much as muscle strain and muscle growth. If you're jumping around and you're lifting weights and you're doing burpees and you're sweating and you feel like you're working hard and your fitness watch tells you you're burning a lot of calories, but you're not really focused on muscular fatigue and how you're loading muscles and how you're putting strain through your muscles, you aren't going to be loading muscles enough to drive significant change. Muscle growth takes a lot of focus and intention. And usually the type of workouts that are the most likely to grow muscles are not the ones that are burning a ton of calories. They're not the ones where you're jumping around and you feel like you got hit by a truck afterwards. And I use the example of it's like getting your car stuck in the mud. You can be flooring it and using all the gas and spinning your wheels, but not really moving yourself anywhere. And that's where a lot of these workouts that are hard, they're sweaty, there are a lot of cardio. Those can be the kind of workouts where you feel like you're working really hard. You're putting a lot of stress and strain through your body, but you're not really seeing linear changes or linear results from the effort that you're putting in. But fitness watches are going to reward you for that type of activity because fitness watches can accurately measure cardiovascular strain because they can measure heart rate. But what they can't accurately measure is muscular strain. And although they can measure heart rate and they can estimate calories, fitness watches have been shown to be incredibly inaccurate at estimating overall calories burned. And they tend to overshoot how many calories that you're burning. And this could be for a few reasons. So number one, as you perform a certain activity 
more, you actually burn less calories doing it because your body gets more efficient at that certain activity. And so you could be doing the same amount of work and yet burning fewer calories or using less energy to complete that work. But your fitness watch might not be able to account for that. So it may be telling you that you burned 400 calories from a workout when really it's closer to 250 calories, or these are totally arbitrary numbers, but it could be close to half to half of that because your efficiency has improved from that activity that you've been doing over time. So that's reason number one is that a fitness watch might not be accounting for the efficiency that your body has gained by doing certain activities. And then number two, you likely aren't increasing your deficit significantly at higher levels of activity due to the constrained total energy expenditure model. And I've talked about this on my podcast all the time. I think it's one of the most interesting things that still remains pretty misunderstood in the fitness industry. So I'll briefly kind of talk about what this is. So the old model of how we burned calories and how we used energy said that endless activity would continue to increase your overall calorie deficit. So let's say without exercise, your body burns 2000 calories a day, and then you go work out for three hours and you burn an additional thousand calories, let's say. So your fitness watch would tell you, oh my gosh, you burned 3000 calories today. That is the old model of how we understood that energy expenditure happens, but newer research is showing that that old model is not really the whole picture. Because at higher levels of activity, your body tends to borrow from other energy expending processes. So you're not actually increasing your overall deficit. So although your fitness watch might be telling you you've burned 3000 calories that day, you likely have burned much less than that because yes, you use a ton of energy in your workout, but your body is going to borrow from other energy expending processes to keep you within a narrow window of energy expenditure. And this scientists think that this is an evolutionary, um, mechanism to help us conserve energy so that we have stored energy to be able to run or fight our way out of danger. So the newer model just to summarize, is saying that we don't just endlessly burn and burn and burn. The more you burn in your workout, the less you might move throughout the day, the less you might fidget unintentionally. Um, you might downregulate digestion. You might downregulate energy to your mental processing. This is what one theory why overexercise can have negative effects on all other systems of your body because the exercise is taking energy away from important processes like digestion, like cellular cleanup, like mental processing. But your fitness watch doesn't really have a way of accurately measuring this new theory, this total constrained energy model, right? It just sees, you know, it just estimates your basal metabolic rate, your, the calories that you burn just to keep you alive. It adds in your activity and it doesn't account for the fact that your body might be downregulating other energy expending processes to keep you within a narrow window of energy expenditure. So in short, fitness watches are likely overestimating calorie expenditure and really not giving you a realistic picture of total calories. So because this feature is currently so inaccurate and maybe there'll be technology in the future that makes it more accurate, I really don't making, I really don't recommend paying attention to how many calories you're burning at all. Instead of focusing on calories, you want to focus on how you're loading your muscles. And I know this goes against all of what we're taught in the fitness industry, we're taught that the more we burn, the faster we will lose weight or maintain our weight or whatever it may be. And again, I hope that what I just explained helped to kind of debunk that and shift your mindset a little bit. 
if we are focusing on how we're loading muscles and how we're straining muscles, that's going to have such a bigger impact on your body because what will have a larger influence on your overall metabolism and your increase in the calories that you burn at rest is having overall more lean mass. Muscle mass also helps indirectly with weight maintenance because it helps regulate blood sugar and insulin. So your body becomes better at using fat as fuel when you have more lean mass or more muscle mass. I did an entire podcast episode on metabolic flexibility. It was one of my favorite episodes that I've done recently. So if you want to learn more about that, that's episode number 121. So instead of paying attention to calories, which will shift your focus in a way and make you choose workouts that are spinning your wheels and kind of making you get stuck in the mud. Here's how I recommend judging if you've had an effective workout. And again, these are things that I talk about all the time, but number one, did you approach failure in each set? Are you choosing a simple exercise? Like, are you targeting one muscle group at a time? And are you taking that exercise close to failure? Are you challenging and loading that muscle enough? I think one other popular thing in the fitness industry is to choose an exercise that works abs and arms and legs all at the same time. And so everything is sort of getting worked, but nothing is getting enough significant load to actually drive change. So feeling the burn isn't enough. Feeling something just kind of working and contracting isn't enough. We want to strain and stress that muscle so that it gets close to failure. A good way to judge if you're getting close to failure is that your pace will decrease. So your, your velocity will decrease. So your final few reps should really slow down. You're not able to complete your last rep at the same speed as you completed your first rep. And that's not to say that you're going fast and flinging your weights around, but you just will really notice that you're like, Oh, this is a struggle. Like I'm really having to slow down. I feel like I'm like moving through mud. That's how you know you're getting close to failure. What I like to do is when I start to notice my velocity slow down, I try to take like a handful of reps in that slower velocity as long as I'm staying in good form and I'm not losing my form and I'm being really honest with myself about that. So if every set of your workout is approaching failure, that's how you know you had a workout that will drive the biggest changes in your body. But that might not be the workout that burns the most calories. Again, because your fitness watch isn't going to be measuring muscular strain, it's measuring cardiovascular strain. But cardiovascular strain might not have as big of an impact as muscular strain does on your physical results. Now, of course, there's other things that you need to do outside of your workout to make sure that you are reaping the rewards from your workout, eating enough protein, sleeping enough, making sure you're not overusing muscles, making sure that your programming is really great. So you're not working the same muscle group on two consecutive days. All of those things are important to ultimately see results. But if we're trying to just judge like a workout and if your workout was effective, if you're getting close to failure in almost every set, of that workout, that means that was a great workout, even if you didn't burn a lot of calories. So although a focus on properly loading muscles is far more effective than a focus on burning calories, it's going to feel very different. And it might take a little bit of time for you to fully adjust to that kind of mindset shift. You may not feel totally exhausted. And because our conditioning around the idea that workout should put your body through the ringer to be effective, you may not feel like you've done enough. And at the end of our workouts, we're always saying like, you've done enough. And this is partly because partly it's a little woo. Like I like to, you know, throw some of that in there, but also it's like, no, this is science. Like if you're getting close to failure, you have done enough. 
But if you do a workout where you're focused on muscles over focused on cardiovascular strain, your fitness watch may be pinging you later in the day that you need to do more. You haven't done enough, enough activity. You haven't gotten your heart rate up enough throughout the day. You need to close your rings. So you may start to feel guilty that you need to go listen to your fitness watch, but your fitness watch is judging your workout again on that cardiovascular strain, not the muscular strain and not the muscular effort. And it just can't accurately measure how you're loading muscles. So it's really not going to give you the credit that you deserve from a strength training workout. So even though you may have loaded muscles in a way that's really going to drive more physical change than just, you know, a mindlessly sweaty workout would, your fitness watch is going to favor the cardio session because that's what it can more accurately track. Now I know whoop, um, which is one of the, the newer wearable, it's not super new, but one of the newer wearables on the market. And I'm sure other fitness trackers have really identified this pitfall. And what I love is that they're understanding, yes, we're not, we're not able to accurately track muscular strain. And this is a problem because this is going to favor cardiovascular exercise over strength training. And I know that whoop has imp- implemented a feature where you can manually add which exercise you're doing, and it'll try to track the load to, and strain to your muscles. My husband does the Evlo workouts and he has a whoop and he tried this feature one time and he said it was just like a little clunky. It was kind of hard to use and kind of cumbersome because you have to track and like start each exercise you do. So if you're taking a class, you can't just like turn the feature on and let it passively kind of track the strain from your workout. You have to individually enter each exercise that you're doing. So he was like, eh, this is like kind of hard to use. He, he likes to follow classes. And so it's not really, it's kind of cumbersome and it's not really very user-friendly. So hopefully fitness wearables will soon release features where you can just you know, put in strength training session, upper body session, lower body session, whatever it may be. And it can kind of passively track muscular strain more effectively. I'm not sure how they're going to do that. (laughs) I'll leave that up to them, but maybe that'll be a feature that's released in the future. But as of now, I don't know of a fitness watch that really does that in a user-friendly, um, accurate way. Another issue that I have with many fitness trackers is that they're really encouraging endless activity and they don't adjust your activity goals based on your recovery. You could wake up sick as a dog and get pinged by your fitness watch to go get your heart pounding workout in. I think that this is just encouraging a more is better mindset, which can really be counterproductive because if you're always trying to do more, but you're not recovering because you're just doing endless activity, you're really not going to see results because your body won't be able to keep up with the inflammation that you're accumulating with your movement, with your exercise. And this is when eventually hormonal and joint issues start to crop up and can really backfire over time. Your physiology just doesn't work like that right? But American culture and hustle culture will tell us that more is better. More activity is better when really that is not the case. We want to balance activity and recovery. Now, some people do really well with these reminders and it's helped them adopt a healthy lifestyle and they're not going overboard. And they understand that like, Hey, today I am not feeling good. I'm sick or I didn't sleep well. And so my fitness watch is going to be pinging me all day to do more activity, but I know to ignore that. But I think that for many people, it can quickly spiral into a mindset of doing more, more, more without listening to their bodies and just listening to those reminders from their fitness watch. I think it can also put you in a mindset of brushing off activities like a lifting workout that could really be beneficial for your health and for your physical results. 
Now, what's really great is that newer wearables like Aura, which is what I have, and Whoop, which is what my husband has, have identified this problem and they understand the science and the physiology behind all this. And they've added features to try to make the tracking and analytics of your homepage more balanced with activity and rest. For example, Aura and Whoop both give you recovery scores. And I know they do this in different ways, but basically they're taking data like HRV, they're taking sleep data, they're taking heart rate, all of these different um, measurements to calculate a recovery score. And if your recovery is low, your activity goals will automatically shift to account for that. So let's say I didn't get a good um, night's sleep, or if I'm stressed and my HRV is lower, or if I drink alcohol and my HRV is lower and my recovery is suffering, my aura ring will automatically decrease the activity goal for that day, which is really great. You don't have to manually do it. Your The aura ring just does it for you. On the flip side, if your recovery is good, your activity goals will go up. My husband says that he finds this feature pretty accurate with his whoop. And then with aura, I find it, I find it very accurate. I feel like I'm in good, you know, touch with my body. I've been tracking my recovery for years. I use, I've used the CO2 tolerance test and I've just been able to subjectively kind of learn my own body and understand when I'm recovered and when I'm not. And I can say that I think the recovery data for aura is pretty spot on. I always, before I check my aura, you know, homepage, for the or dashboard for the day, I'll just kind of check in with myself and be like, did I feel like I slept well? Do I feel good today? Do my limbs feel heavy? Do I feel um, like I'm foggy? Do Or do I feel springy? Do I feel high energy? Do I feel like I slept really well? Do I feel like I'm waking up with like really good energy? I'll, I'll kind of check in with myself before I check my dashboard. I do that every day. And then my dashboard almost always matches with how I'm sub- subjectively feeling. So I do feel like it is pretty spot on. So I'm really a fan of how new fitness wearables are not just encouraging endless activity, but they're really trying to seek understanding of your body, how it is today, how it's showing up today and helping encourage an appropriate amount of activity, which I really, really love. So all that said, I want to get into what to track and what to pay attention to and what not to pay attention to and what not to track if you do choose to use a wearable. I also want to say that you do not need to go invest in a wearable to have a healthy fit body. You can really do a lot of this on your own, which I'll go over towards the end. So what I did is I was like, okay, I'm going to go over all the main fitness wearables and I'm going to research them all and I'm going to break them down individually. And I was quickly like, okay, that's not going to happen because I was blown away at how many wearables there are available. So instead of breaking them all down individually, I want to give you just broad strokes of what to look for in a wearable and what's helpful to track and what I don't recommend paying attention to or tracking and why. So here is what I think would be helpful to track. So if you're looking to invest in a wearable, look for these things and you can start to track these things. So number one is HRV. Heart rate variability is different than just heart rate. So heart rate variability is measuring the variability in time between your heartbeats. Heart rate is just measuring how many times your heart is beating per second. So your autonomic nervous system, which is your parasympathetic and your sympathetic nervous system controls your HRV. So if you have a higher HRV, this is generally a sign that your nervous system is functioning well and that your stress and rest, your stress and recovery are, are well balanced. 
And there's no standard number for like a good HRV. It's not like, it's like everyone should be shooting for a 100. It is really going to be subjective to your own body. And it's going to be about looking at patterns and identifying peaks and dips to determine what your good is and what your baseline is. Many things will affect HRV, including sleep and overall recovery. If you are overdoing the exercise, your HRV is going to tank. If you're drinking alcohol, that will tank your HRV, which is one of the reasons why alcohol can be so detrimental for fitness results because it affects recovery so much. And it's going to affect your performance in the subsequent workout. So because HRV is more of a subjective number and there's really not, you know, there's really not like standardized numbers for this. You want to kind of find what your high number is, what your high HRV is. My husband's is very different from mine. I think his is like 160 or something. And mine is like 100. So what I recommend doing is to find your high HRV score. I'd recommend taking two days off exercise. And for those two days, sleep really well, get at least seven hours, try not to drink alcohol during that time, try to hydrate and nourish yourself really well, and then take note of what that number is after those two days. So that will probably be a higher number. And then what I want you to do from there is add back in your exercise routine. And if you find that your HRV tanked when you added your exercise routine back in, it probably means that your exercise routine is too intense and your body isn't able to recover from that. So you might dial back the exercise a little bit, or maybe it means that you need to add an extra hour of sleep to help you balance your recovery. So continue to tinker with your routine until you feel like you can kind of keep that HRV consistently high. Now, if your HRV tanks for a couple days or whatever, is that bad? No, this is all, this is going to happen to all of us. Again, if I go on vacation and I have, um, lots of alcohol and I'm traveling and I'm not sleeping well, my HRV tanks for like four days and I can feel it too, right? Like I feel like sluggish. I feel weak in my workouts. You can really tell. And it just takes a couple days to get it back up again. And that's life. But for the most part, keeping it high when we can and controlling the factors that we can like sleep and nutrition and exercise can help you keep that HRV relatively high and help you continue to have fitness progress. The second thing to look for in a tracker or in a wearable is sleep. So knowing your sleep score can really help you make better decisions around bedtime. Everything comes back to sleep and having some of these sleep insights, I think can be really helpful. If you're waking up a lot, it could be because you need to improve bedtime habits. You need to darken your room. You need to sleep in a cooler room. You need to decrease screen time at the, at the end of the night. You need to make sure you're not checking water before you go to sleep. Sleep is so important for so many reasons, but just one to note is that sleep will affect your decisions around food the following day. When you lack sleep, your hunger hormones are affected. This is because your body's lacking energy and trying to replenish energy stores in the way of food. And usually your body is going to crave calorically dense comfort foods like pizza, because that is going to be the most readily available fuel for your body. So this can influence your behavior and cause you to eat above your needs and affect your weight. So, so many people complain about weight gain and the first thing they want to do is add more exercise. Whereas I think the first thing you should do is address your sleep because weight loss will become a lot more effortless when you have that dialed and you're not fighting your own hunger hormones. So we want to look at 
at overall how many hours you're sleeping. And then I also like to kind of glance at deep sleep because deep sleep is important for recovering from exercise because your body's going to repair muscle tissue the most in that stage of sleep. So if you aren't getting about, you know, 10 to 20% of your sleep in deep sleep, you may not be recovering from your workouts optimally. And again, adjusting some things to improve your quality of sleep can really pay dividends in how you're recovering and the results that you're seeing from your workouts. So those are the first two things is HRV and sleep. And then another thing you can consider tracking is fertility. And this obviously doesn't apply to everyone, but this is the reason why I got an aura ring over a whoop. I wanted to get off hormonal birth control and track using my temperature. And the aura ring takes your temperature first thing in the morning and aggregates that data. And I'm not going to get too much into this in this episode, but temperature can be used to estimate your fertility status. So I'd recommend if you want to do this, I would recommend getting an aura ring and then tracking um, by using a separate app called Natural Cycles. Natural Cycles and Aura um, pair together and can help give you help interpret your temperature to give you fertility status. And I want to say, by the way, real quick that I forgot to mention earlier, none of this is sponsored or is not paying me natural cycle. Nobody is paying me for this. This is all just my research and my true review on all of this. Okay. So we want to track HRV. We want to look at sleep, fertility tracking, if you'd like, and then activity, but only if it adjusts based on your recovery. Again, I know Whoop and Aura do this. I'm not sure if the new um, Apple watches are doing this, but before you invest in a wearable, check to make sure that your wearable is not just endlessly encouraging activity, but it's also looking at your recovery status. It's taking into account HRV or temperature or heart rate and sleep, and it's helping you adjust your activity goals based on how you're recovered. So that's what would be great to track. Again, HRV, sleep, fertility tracking, and then activity, but only if it's adjusting for recovery. Here's what I don't recommend tracking or really paying any attention to. And the first one is calories burned. I talked about this extensively, but for the reasons I listed above, how many calories you're burning is pretty inaccurate. Even the newer wearables are likely not going to be super accurate. Additionally, tracking your exercise can really overestimate calories burned. And if you're someone who you're tracking your macros, you're tracking your food, I don't recommend adding your workouts to something like my fitness pal or whatever tracking app you're using, because it will add additional calories that you can eat and cause you to be in a calorie surplus. Because like I said, the calories burned from your exercise likely is not significantly increasing your overall deficit, but your fitness watch doesn't know that. So if you are tracking food and you're, you've calculated your total daily energy expenditure, just go based on your total daily energy expenditure. I don't recommend adding in a workout, um, to your tracking food tracking, because it's likely going to overestimate how many calories you're burning, give you more calories that you can eat. And you might be unintentionally eating in a calorie surplus if that's what you're working on. So again, all the reasons I listed above, I don't recommend focus on focusing on calories burned. And then that's an additional reason. And then the second thing that I don't recommend paying much attention to is steps. And this one is on the border a little bit, because I do think that steps can be a good reflection of an overall active lifestyle. If you're overall active, you'll probably be getting 10,000 steps a day pretty easily. 
Um, when I got my aura ring, I was surprised that I was getting over 10,000 steps without trying. Um, it was just, you know, how, how I live my life. I go up and down the stairs a lot throughout the day. I walk around my house a lot throughout the day. I try to go on walks every day. So although I don't think it's necessary to hit that 10,000 steps per day number exactly, you can get less and still be okay. If you are routinely only getting like 5,000 steps a day, it probably means you need to be moving your body a little bit more because everything can add up again, walking up and down the stairs more or, um, walking across the room every hour and just try not to live such a stationary life. So steps is on the border. You don't have to place a ton of like focus on that, but if that number is always really low, that's something you kind of pay attention to and try to create more of an overall active lifestyle. Okay. So those are the two things that I really wouldn't recommend putting a ton of stock in is calories and steps. Overall, would I recommend a fitness wearable? If you're someone who is going to get obsessive about the calories like I was and in your fitness watch is going to kind of like rule your life, even given all this information, I would say, do not get a fitness watch. I would say, pay attention to your own body, focus on how you're loading muscles in your workouts, focus on how you're feeling and your recovery. But if you understand kind of like what I told you today and you're like, okay, I'm ready to get a fitness wearable. I'm ready to kind of tune out the things I don't need to pay attention to and maybe tune into the things that could actually be helpful for me. Then I think that they can be valuable, um, to get insights on your sleep and your recovery and really your overall lifestyle. So if you don't want to invest in a fitness wearable, can you still learn insights about your own body? Absolutely. Tracking your recovery is totally free and one of the best skills that you can develop and something that I recommend developing, even if you are using a wearable so that you can kind of compare and contrast the insights that your wearable is giving you to how you're subjectively feeling. So there's three ways that you can measure and probably more than three, but three easy ways to measure your recovery. The first is the CO2 tolerance test. I've gone over this in podcast before. I'll quickly go over it. So the CO2 tolerance test is a way to measure the tolerance your body can have for carbon dioxide, which is a good indication of your uh, how balanced your nervous system is, how balanced your parasympathetic nervous system and sympathetic nervous systems are. So what you do is you'll take five deep breaths, so five of your deepest inhales, slow, deep exhale, do that five times. And then on your sixth inhale, inhale as much air as you possibly can start a timer on your phone and start to breathe out through purse lips. Like you're breathing out through a straw, letting out as little air as possible. You don't want to push out air. You're letting it air. You're letting it out slow, 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 and see how long you can exhale. The longer you can exhale generally means the more recovered you are. If you're routinely not getting past like 25 seconds, like if you're getting 25 seconds or less routinely, it probably means that you need to focus more on your recovery. Probably means that your body could benefit more from sleeping more, taking out some intense exercise, whatever it may be. So that's the CO2 tolerance test. Another thing you can do is uh, grip strength. So you can just subjectively measure your grip strength, like squeeze something like squeeze a sock or squeeze a book or something like that and see like, how strong does my fist feel? Am I able to like make a big, strong fist right now? Or does my grip strength feel weaker than usual? That's an indication of overall recovery. And then finally, one thing that I like to just look at is subjective sensations. Do your limbs feel really heavy? Does it feel like it'd be hard to like do a jump right now? Or do you feel springy? Do you feel like I could spring out of bed and 
weights feel light and I just feel like my muscles aren't craving rest. (laughs) My muscles and limbs don't feel really heavy. So you can look at all those things to kind of help you measure your recovery. I would recommend doing this even if you are wearing a wearable. All right. So just to summarize everything, I don't recommend getting a wearable that is going to reward endless activity. And that's not looking at your recovery and adjusting your activity based on how you're recovered. If you are going to get a wearable, try to look for one that measures HRV, that measures sleep, um, fertility tracking if you want. And then also that measures just kind of overall activity in relation to your recovery. I don't recommend looking at calories burned at all, or even starting a workout on your fitness watch. I don't, I never do that. And I just don't even recommend going there with yourself. Just focus on how your muscles are being strained and fatigued. And then if you want to not use a wearable, you can always do the CO2 tolerance test, grip strength. You can look at subjective sensations to determine if you're recovered and if you have that right balance of activity to recovery. All right, everyone. I hope this was helpful. Remember, this is not sponsored, just something that I get asked about a lot. So I wanted to give kind of an updated, honest review about fitness wearables. We will see you all next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now.